0: starting a new series, and whenever you get to this time of the year, um, we kind of call it like the second church new year, and so we know that we've got people visiting, we've got students coming back in, and so I wanted to take some time to really say this is who we are as a church, like this is, we are South Point, this is a chance to really just kind of see what are we getting into, Um, and it's also a reminder for everybody that's been here for a while that, hey, there are some things that are really important to us. Because sometimes when you're trying to check churches out and figure out if it's the one, it's kind of like dating, right? Like sometimes it only takes one date and you know. Like I'll never forget sitting at an olive garden in Tulsa and taking this girl out, didn't know her that well. And uh, it's going to sound terrible, but I'm preaching, so I should be honest. Ten minutes into it, I was like, I think this is the most unintelligent person I've ever met. And uh, I wasn't rude or anything, like I just kind of listened Um, But there came that point where I was very thankful. Check, please. uh, And we (laughs) didn't get another phone call there. Sometimes the first one goes great. Um, There was another time where I had started talking with somebody and they lived in the Metroplex. I was living in Tulsa and we just started talking a whole lot and said, hey, why don't you you come up to a football game? I'll get some tickets. A&M was playing OSU and We went to the game. We had a great time, and I thought, man, this is going to maybe lead to something. And a couple weeks later, I had some friends that were going to the Metroplex. They just got married, and they were doing what married people do. They went to Ikea and bought everything. And I was like, hey, I'll go with you all. you all meet her. She can meet my friends. It's going to be great. And there was a restaurant in Flower Mound that I gave her the uh, address to. And this is a day and age of iPhones, and she couldn't find it. And uh, at one point, I am talking on a phone. I've got my buddy's phone trying to give directions. We are not getting along. And then we had the most wonderful, awkward dinner ever where my two friends were like, they are mad at each other. And it just didn't work out. But then sometimes you go on a third date, go on a fourth date, start planning a wedding because it's the one. But you got to figure out who that person is as you go along. And so today, we're going to talk about what we believe at South Point Church. We have a number of beliefs. We try and be very open about them. If you come to our member class, we really try and line out so that people understand what is this church, what's important to them, what do they believe about God, what's the direction for it. And so today, as we walk through this We Are South Point series, we're just going to talk about what we believe as a church. Um, And the first thing we're going to talk about is the vision of South Point Church. Um, my title is teaching and vision pastor, and the teaching part most people get, every now and then I'll ask, have somebody ask me, and like, so do you have visions? And like, no, not that kind of church. Um, this is more direction and where we want to go into the future and that sort of thing. And a couple summers ago, we had a vision statement that was outside. No one could tell me what it is. I couldn't tell you what it is. It was really long. Um, and the more I looked at that, I'm like, that's something that should probably be important to us. And so... I got with the rest of our elders, and we said, hey, let's, let's see where God leads us in a vision for South Point Church. And we t- took an entire summer and spent time doing that. The first month, all we did was pray. We said, hey, we're not even going to talk about this. We're going to devote an entire month to prayer. Um, and then we got back together in the second month. We just started sharing what God had showed us, and it was funny. God isn't a God of confusion. There was a lot of things that were very, very similar. And then the last month, we just kind of wordsmithed a little bit, and we came up with what we call our four statements. Um, The first one's this. At South Point Church, we are for God's glory. We want everything we do to be about his glory. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And we want everything we do, the decisions that we make, the ministries that we have, the things that we do, we want all of that to point back to God's glory. Because in Isaiah 42 and verse 8, God says this. He says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. You've heard me say before, you don't split the glory with God. And I take it from that god is absolutely loving he is absolutely merciful but i do love those times where he doesn't pull punches and he says i'm the lord that's my name i don't split glory with anything it sure ain't going to be split with some carved image of something like i made that stuff and then somebody else tried to make it into something greater no we are all about god's glory the things that we do we want it to point towards his glory I don't want to split it with him. I want everything to be about him. Does that make God narcissistic? No. It makes him a perfect and pure and holy God. There can be nothing greater than him. So he is all about his glory because all of his glory is what makes him God. And we want people to know that and point them towards it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes this. and He says, and we all with unveiled face... Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. His glory is so great that it makes him God, and yet he pours that out on us as well. Last week, we talked a lot about salvation, and we walked through all the different steps of salvation, the phases of salvation. One of them was the big fun church word, sanctification, being made more into the image of God. And Paul would say, hey, his glory being poured out is drawing us and making us a little bit more like him, a little bit more like him, a little bit more like him. So I'm thankful for his glory because it does impact us, and it is poured out on us. And it's pretty big glory because in Revelation chapter 21, John would write this. He's talking about heaven here. He said, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So one day, if we're in Christ, we're going to live on new heaven, new earth, and there's not going to be a sun. Like yesterday as I was driving, I was watching the sunset. I'm like, it's it's beautiful. There's this massive ball of gas burning 94 million miles away, and it's got light spreading everywhere, and it's beautiful. And yet, when we get to heaven, there will be no need for a sun. There will be no need for a moon. God's glory will literally light up existence. And we're going to know that glory in its fullness. I love talking about God's glory. I want everything to be about it. I love there's a statement that says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. I love it. I run with that. And I will talk about it all the time, even when I am very tired this morning. I still want to talk about God's glory. One of the reasons I'm tired is, Years ago, before I came to South Point, I was kind of in between churches, and I was interviewing lots of places, still trying to support family. I needed something where I could just kind of still be my own boss, and there was this company called Uber that was starting up. And so I, for about eight months, was an Uber driver. Let me say this. That is a wildly entertaining job. Um, Some of the stories (laughs) from weird to funny to As it gets later in the night, especially in College Station, straight up interviewing people, how close are you to throwing up in my wife's car? Um, It is very, very entertaining. And from time to time, I still do it. Um, A&M has a thing called Howdy Week where all the students are there and there's no class and they've made money for the summer and so they go out a lot. It's super busy and I'll go down and spend a few days doing it. Well, most of them are funny and then sometimes I get to have very real conversations. Um, About 5 o'clock on Wednesday, I picked up a guy. I could tell he wasn't a student. He was a professor, uh, a second-year professor, which means his first year was absolutely wheels-off trying to teach online. Uh, He's a professor of biology. And so now you have a professor of biology and a pastor in a car together. So this sounds like two guys walking a bar. Uh, Then throw in, uh, he is no longer but was raised very practicing Muslim. And so, yeah, this is going to be great. And we start talking, and and when he found out I worked at a church, he started asking a lot of biology related questions and at one point I said man you know a lot more about biology than me but I said I do know a number of people with a PhD that work in medical fields that have all of this knowledge and they believe that the body is fearfully and wonderfully made and made by a creator and really just started talking about the glory of God how it's not about us that there is this God that's out there and he created everything and yet he loves us enough that he would make a way for us to have a relationship with him And just kind of expounded on, I love God's glory. We got done. We had a good conversation. It wasn't mean or fighting or anything. When he got out, he wasn't a believer. But he did say, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about God like that. And I said, I wish more people did. That's why I preach this stuff all the time. I want everything to be about God's glory because God's glory is great. It's changing us, and one day God's glory is literally going to light up the world that we live in for all eternity. So we're for God's glory. We're also for people. Um, We think that people are important. Uh, We want to reach out to people. We want to be loving towards people um, because we've kind of been given, you might call it a great commission. Um, So in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's a lot of people out there that don't know Jesus. We want to be about that. We've been called to make disciples. God saves them, and then we teach and instruct and we grow. And we want to be about that for people. We want to see people growing in their relationship with Christ. We know that there are people that are hurting in our community and in the, across the world. We want to be for those people. We want to be for the people that look like whatever you look like. We also want to be for the people that don't look like you. We want to be for the people that, you know what, you go, I've got friends that I'm close with, and I, I would love to see them know Christ. I would love to see them be a part of my church. We want to be for those people. We also want to be for the people that might have thrown up in my wife's car, And the people that you go, they get on my nerves. We want to be for them too. I don't care what someone looks like. I don't care what someone's wearing. When they walk in those doors, they need to hear welcome. Grab some coffee. We don't care if you spill it in here. It's easy to clean up. If it helps make people feel comfortable, that's okay. We want to be all about people. But we want to go beyond that. We want people to be able to come together and worship together, sing together, grow in God's word. But Beyond that, we want to be for community as well. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer writes this. He says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We want this to be a place where you can come and worship on Sunday, but we don't want this to be a place that we just check a box off. We want to see people get involved with other people. We want to see South Point Church be the body. The body has arms, legs, ears, nose, hands, eyes, all those different things. We have people with all different levels of talent and skill, and we want all of those things to come together, and we want this to be a community. We want this to be a place where if you're not here, someone texts you and says, Hey, are you okay? We want this to be a place where when you're hurting and you're walking through something, you've got people that will walk alongside you through that. And so you heard Kristen talk about equipping classes. That's one of the areas where I love that our equipping classes are growing and we're seeing so many good things and people are building relationships in that and you get done and it's like, hey, let's, where are we going to go to lunch now? Like we are building this sense of community. Uh, I love seeing that in our life groups where people are coming together and getting to know one another. and Man, our groups, we want people to be plugged into them. I said last week, as we grow, as we talk about growing in our lives, if you feel led to lead a group, I want you to come talk to me. Like, we want this to be a community element. And I feel like we have that. And sometimes you see it in ways that you would think, life groups meeting together, and we've got a life group that comes in and prays every Sunday morning then sometimes I've seen community in ways that you wouldn't think. We'll do a church work day at least once a year and those are usually a lot of fun. There have been times I've looked out and there are a bunch of guys cutting grass together and laughing and messing with each other. Like you just see this community come together and I watch people that grew up maybe in another state and somebody that's maybe a little bit younger than them or older than them and you see these people coming together and talking and building that. We want to be for community we also want to be for the nations that's important to us acts chapter 1 verse 8 is an unbelievably powerful verse it's one of the last things that jesus said to us he said but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in judea, in all judea and samaria and to the ends and to the end of the earth when we say for the nations we mean missions when Jesus was saying that 2,000 years ago, when he said, and to the end of the earth, do you know where the end of the earth was? Abilene, Texas. It was the other side of the world when he spoke it. We were the nations then. And praise God, people have taken that verse and they've been committed to missions for 2,000 years because Paul took that and he started to go out. It didn't just stay in Jerusalem. He began to go into Asia Minor, into Europe, and that message began to spread, and people's lives were changed, and then people began to say, hey, we're going to go on mission trips here. We're going to spread the gospel here. And then some people got on a boat and came over to America, and suddenly they were on the other side of the world. And here we are in 2001, and we know that, hey, we've been called to go to the ends of the earth, literally back to where it started. And so we support missionaries all over the globe. We support missionaries in a local setting, um, Pregnancy resources babbling. Uh, We've got our food pantry that we do once a month. And then it goes beyond that. We support missionaries in Israel. We support missionaries in Turkey, uh, in Russia, in Mexico. We support some missionaries, I can't tell you where they are because they are doing missions in a place where if that was found out, literally they know every time we go into this place it could be the last time we go. That's pretty heavy stuff and I had the absolute honor of having lunch with them about two weeks ago. I didn't think I'd ever get to meet them. Just listening to their stories. Some of them I still can't share because we're online right now. But we think missions are very important. We think they're important here in Abilene. So many times people think missions is like going to the other side of the world. No, if we're not willing to do on our street what we do on the other side of the world, we have missed the mark. We have been called to go to our neighbors, We've also been called to go beyond that we have brothers and sisters on the other side of the world and you don't know their names but we're we're trying to grow we're trying to support we think missions is extremely important um even with our students our kids had vbs a couple weeks ago and they raised a good bit of money for a mission in haiti and you guys know that haiti experienced an earthquake and through other people giving we we really just about doubled what was raised by the kids And we sent that to a mission in Haiti. And it's going for some good work because they definitely need it right now. We love our missionaries. I love whenever we get to have them in town and you guys get to meet them and hear their stories. The nations are important to us. And so those are our four statements. For God's glory, for people, for community, for the nations. I like to say I want South Point Church to be known for what it's for, not just what it's against. I get plenty of things I can rattle off that I'm against. But most um, people like to hear what you're for. We think those are important. We say, hey, that's the vision of our church. If we can do those things, we're going to see lives impacted. We're going to see lives change. We're going to see our church grow, and we're going to see it grow deep and wide. Uh, We're going to see amazing things happen here and across the world. And so that's the vision of South Point Church. But we also have what we call our core values, uh, the core values of South Point Church. We like to say that we're a committed church. And so if you go outside, you'll see a little poster that's got all of this on it. Um, we've even got some word pictures for it. And the first one, we say, we're committed to the gospel. And you can kind of see that picture behind me. That's a ripple effect. So many times people think the moment that we accept Christ, that's the end. That's, that's all of it. No, that's someone throwing a rock out into a pond, and that's just the first step. But then it begins to ripple out, and it begins to affect all areas of our life. And so we are all for the gospel and the whole gospel. Like, we don't shy away from anything within it. Like, we believe that God created everything in perfection. And we get two pages of that, right? (laughs) Then we get Genesis 3. Sin enters into the world. And from that point on, after Adam sinned, it became part of our DNA. We are sinful, broken people. Like, we know that we do things that are wrong. And there's a reality to that. The Bible would say that the wages of sin, the price of sin is death. It's separating us from God and there's nothing that we can do on our own to get back to him and if the story ended there God would still be glorified but in his grace and love and mercy he sent his son Jesus Christ. He lived a sinless life and laid his life down on a cross so that we could have forgiveness and it's only through faith in him that we have grace poured out on us and the Bible would say we're made into a new creation and one day He's either coming back, I hope he comes back before the end of this message, or if we pass away, we're going to spend an eternity with him. And One day he's going to return everything back to perfection. That's the whole gospel, and we love that. We're, I'm going to preach the gospel every single week, like bar none. That's what, that's what I've been called to do. But it's not just that first little step. We believe that the gospel calls us to more means that we're going to love the way that we've been called to love forgive the way that we've been called to forgive give the way that we've been called to give serve the way that we've been called to serve and on and on and on it's this ripple effect as it goes out and it has an impact in every area of our life we are committed wholeheartedly to the gospel we're also committed to god's word um, couldn't really get creative on this one. It's a Bible. I um, was talking with our graphics guy. I was like, just, just do a Bible. Um, but we are un, we're going to be very committed to God's Word at South Point Church. Um, every single week, you're going to hear Scripture. Because every single week, that's the thing I want you to remember more than anything else. Scripture is the thing that changes people. I and mean, we have a high view of it. We say, this is God's Word, it always wins. If I'm looking around and go, hey, I'm looking at culture, society, and it's, it's, it's different than the Bible, the Bible wins. If I'm looking at it and go, I don't like that, it still wins. We believe that it is perfect, it's inerrant, and we're going to talk about it a lot. <laughs> I'm excited because in September, typically, if you're kind of new with us, we, we teach exegetically, and so we'll just kind of walk through a book verse by verse. We're going to start 1 Corinthians in September. We're going to be in it for a long time. Um, We start a series. We stay there for a while. So I'm excited about it. I love walking verse by verse because if there's something I want to skip over, an astute listener would go, hey, you didn't talk about that, and can call me out. Uh, So we'll talk about anything at South Point in the Bible. There's a time a couple years ago, we'd got done with Philippians and had a couple weeks to Easter and I was like, I don't want to start something new. So I had this absolutely terrible idea. I'll just let the people ask questions. And we did a series called Questions and Answers. That was really dumb on my part um, because everyone asked really hard and heavy questions. And then I had to preach messages on them. And some of them were very hard and heavy and we didn't shy away from them. Um, a couple summers ago, we were going through a thing called Summer with Solomon, and there wasn't any way that I wasn't going to teach out of the Song of Songs. Um, if you remember that one, that one was fun. Um, typically, we'll say, hey, if there's some more, we're talking about something heavier, or things like that, we'll say it's a PG-13 Sunday. That one got into some R stuff. Uh, I said some things from stage that my mom listens to it online. She's like, that was weird to hear you talk about that. I was like, yeah, it was weird to know you were going to listen to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That one was fun. I brought some sunglasses up here, put them on whenever we talked about really awkward stuff. We will talk about it if it's in the Bible. We'll not shy away from it. We love God's word because for as long as it has been here, this has been the way that He has primarily communicated to us. People reading Scripture and God stirring and changing their lives. This is important to us. This is important to me. I think it should be taught early and often. It should be taught correctly. And so as we walk through, we, we have a more conservative view when it comes to Scripture. But we're always going to talk about it. And I love that God's Word is important to us. I love that we talk about it in equipping classes. I love that we talk about it in life groups. I love that there's so many different options for you with apps and things like that. The Bible is important to us, and we're going to be committed to God's Word. We're also committed to the uncommitted. You'll see this one has a couple different hands on it. When we say we're committed to the uncommitted, we're talking about we want to be a church that's evangelistic, that reaches out, that cares about people, that firsthand doesn't have anything on it. Because there are people in Abilene, Texas, if you're watching online, there's people wherever you are too. Abilene has more churches per capita than anywhere in the U.S., I believe. And there are people in our town who have no idea who Jesus is. None. Sometimes those are the easier ones to reach. Because they've just never heard the greatest message in the world. There's nothing to unwire or anything like that. It's just preaching the gospel. And we want to be committed to those people. I don't want to live in an area where someone has not heard the gospel. I want us to be sharing that. I want us to be sharing that story. And so we're committed to those people. You notice the other hand has a crack on it. We want to be committed to people who have maybe been to church and, quite frankly, just didn't have the best experience. There have been a lot of people hurt by church. And that's a reality. Now, sometimes people will say, yeah, I went to church and was offended and all this kind of stuff. Well, why were you offended? Well, they like, told me what I was doing was wrong. Well, what were you doing? I was cheating on my wife. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's wrong. Don't do that. Um, that's not the abuse that I'm talking about. We're going we're gonna to tell people, hey, if you're doing things that are wrong, that's sin and it separates us from God and here's, here's the way back. But there are times where people go to church and I've, I've been in church for a while and I've seen things. I've seen a very sweet lady in a not-so-Jesus way tell a guy on his first Sunday that Jesus hates the tattoos that he has. And guess what? He didn't come back. Probably not the best first impression. I've been in a place where music was mocked and things like that. had a wonderful conversation with a sweet old man at my own home church. uh, Where I was like, hey, what you're saying is wrong. (laughs) And those people are offended because... Not of Jesus, you. And so there's people out there that, you know what, they're sometimes trying to get back into church a little bit, and it can be really awkward. We want to be committed to those people. That's why I say all the time, when someone walks in the door, the first thing they need to hear is welcome. We want this to be a place where someone, if they're kind of easing back into that, and it's kind of a new thing for them, that they feel welcome here. We want to be a church for everybody. At the same time, we know we're not. And so if someone comes in and goes, hey, I have a little different style of worship, something like that, just talk to me. I'll I'll point you to a place in Abilene. But at South Point, we want to be committed to people who maybe just haven't had the best experience. We're not a perfect church. I know that because I know me. But we want to be a place that's welcoming, that's loving and caring. And so we'll be committed to them. And then the last one has a dead flower. Unfortunately, there are some churches that are dead. That's a reality. There are people going there that God's blessed with gifts, and I'm not looking to steal people from any church. But if someone's going to a church that is teaching something that's heretical or is just, quite frankly, dead, yeah, we want those people to know, hey, there's a place for you. Use the gifts and talents that God's given you. Use the the things that he's blessed you with. We want this to be a place where just about everybody here serves in some way. And so we want that to be a place where, hey, we're going to be committed to that as well. And so we're going to be committed to the uncommitted. And the last one is we want to be committed to obedience. You see that one is a Venn diagram. Obedience is kind of tricky. There's times where we look at those different things, areas that we're supposed to be obedient and go, I'll be obedient in that one and that one. Not so much that one. You You want to be in that sweet spot in the middle. We want to take all of those areas of obedience and put them together and say, hey, we are walking in obedience. Because if you're walking in obedience, you will be growing in your sanctification. Years ago, I was looking at some church jobs, and one of them was a discipleship pastor, and started thinking, like, discipleship's kind of a difficult thing to define. Someone asks, is your church growing? We can, we can count. Yes, we can see that. Are you, are you making disciples? That's a different question. And so I started kind of looking through Scripture, and God just kind of led me to the first part of Revelation. Before, like, the dragons and horns and all that stuff. Um, the first couple chapters are these letters to churches. And it's one of the most interesting times in all of Christian history that's recorded. Because by the time the book of Revelation came out, all the apostles were gone except John, who wrote it. It's meant Peter was gone. Paul's gone. And so it's the first time it's been handed off to the next generation. And so you have all these amazing people who've wrote most of the New Testament. You get to see what was important to the ones that they were discipling. And obedience comes up over and over and over again. It hit me, I'm like, we need to be very committed to that. When the Bible calls us to love our neighbor, we need to be obedient and do that. When the Bible calls us to forgive, we need to be obedient and do that. When the Bible calls us to serve, we need to be obedient and do that. When the Bible calls us to give, we need to be obedient and do that. We want to take all those areas and put them together and say, hey, if I'm walking in obedience, I know that I will be growing in my faith. Life is going to look different. And I'm being discipled to where hopefully in 2021 you look different than you did in 2020." And in 2025, I pray that we're walking in obedience to where we look different than we do today. So we say we want to be committed to the gospel, committed to God's word, committed to the uncommitted, and committed to obedience. If we do those things, if we say those are our core values and we walk in them, a couple things will happen. I know that we will be changed on an individual basis. We will be growing. We will enjoy God more. I know that as a church we're going to be different. We'll we'll be a place that cares about our neighbors enough to say, hey, I want you to come and be a part of this with me. In the chair backs in front of all you, there's these little bitty cards, they're invite cards. Take them. Invite your friends, family, people you don't know, leave it for a server, it's not a tip. Say that. Used to be a server, that's not the best outreach. Leave a good tip and leave an invite card. Get to know them, ask them their name, that sort of thing. But we want to be a place that says, hey, we want to reach out. We want to grow. We want to be obedient. We want to be committed to people that have no idea who Jesus is. We want to be for the nations. Like, I know if we continue to walk in the things that we believe, that we will be changed. That our community, I pray, looks different. That people know this is a place of hope. That this is a place that cares. That this is a place that they will feel welcomed, they will be loved, and they will hear God's truth every week. As we walk in this, it's going to change us as an individual, it's going to change us as a church. Hopefully, it changes our community and the nations. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, I'm thankful for the things that you're doing. God, I'm thankful for the vision that you've given us. God, I pray that we walk in that and we always point people towards your glory and your grace and love. That it's not about us. It's about you. God, I pray that we would grow in you. God, I pray that we would continue to see the gospel go out. And if there's anyone here this morning, rather here or online and that whole relationship with Jesus has never just been a personal thing for you. But you're saying, today, I, I need that. I want that. I would encourage you to pray, God, as best as I know how, I want to come to you. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and follow him. That's the pebble hitting the water. That's just the start. And if that was you, I'd encourage you to put that on a connect card. Come talk to me. Like We want to talk about that and celebrate it. God, I pray that we would just continue in the days, weeks, years to come, continue to keep our focus on you and proclaim who you are. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship now in time of giving and song. Um, this morning, we're going to be doing a couple things. One, we're going to be praying for Pioneer Drive Baptist Church um, and the gathering there. Got several friends on staff there. Great church. Love what they're doing. Uh, we're just going to lift them up, and also this morning, uh, had someone come and talk to me and made me aware of a situation on the other side of the world, which there's a lot of situations on the other side of the world right now. But in Egypt, there is a girl named Rachel. Um, she's supposed to be an ACU student, and she recently accepted Christ. Her family was not pleased with that, and had some charges filed against her, and so she's in jail right now. Apparently, there's a lot of people praying for Rachel. And so this morning, we're going to lift her up, to some girl, on the other side of the world, I don't know, but I know that's my sister in Christ. And we're going to pray that hopefully she can come and experience Abilene for herself. And God, we love you. I thank you for the way that you blessed us. God, yeah, I pray that we would look at the gospel and see that it calls for more. And God, that we would know that, yes, we've been blessed by you, and we would be a blessing to others. Whether that be through a mission in Haiti or through any of the ministries at our church, God, use these gifts in big ways. God, we lift up Pioneer Drive this morning and just pray that as they're worshiping right now, God, you would just be all in their midst. The Holy Spirit would just be moving in people's lives. They would see new life, new creation, and just continue to grow in you. And God, we lift up Rachel this morning. God, I don't know a lot about her, but I know she's facing heavy persecution right now. and God, I pray that early in her relationship, she would know your strength deeply. God, that you would do some things that only you get glory for. That this situation would be resolved in a way that people would look at it and go, how did that happen? And the only answer would be you. So be with her. God, be with us this week. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.